Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Guys Guys Radio. This is your host, Robert Manny, broadcasting live on June 3rd, 2015, from our studios in Harlem, USA. We had some technical issues with the show, and we are broadcasting live right now. So we'll let everybody know on Facebook that the show has just begun. Our guest is Erica Tucci. Let me just start over from the beginning. I'm going to skip my opening comments and I'll get right to our guest. Uh, we had some technical di- issues where we uh, people couldn't hear me. I couldn't hear Erica. And here we are again. So I'm going to skip my usual intro and we'll get right to the show, the meat of the show, which our special guest, Erica Tucci. She's a certified life coach, licensed massage therapist, Reiki master, author, tarot reader, She was a corporate manager at a Fortune 500 company until she had a stroke in June 2011. And since then, she's been, her focus has been on providing inspiration and encouragement to others who face their own life-challenging experiences. She continues to do the work she was doing before her stroke, helping women find their yin radiance through their authentic voice and their own healing. And she's been interviewed many, many times in international radio shows, etc., She also has a program for women called Yin Radiance, The Journey to Inner Balance. She's the author of three books. Uh, She's a very, has a very, very interesting journey she's gone through. And the name of this book is Radiance Survivor. So I'm going to bring her on right now. My fingers are crossed. Hello, Erica. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? I can. Thank you. So, my apologies. This is Mercury retrograde. Mer- Mercury retrograde. That is best. <laughs> I, I, I guess so. So basically, what we're going to do is we're going to start the show now, and then we're going to edit it out the you know the first twenty six minutes, and we'll have a fresh episode on the air. Uh, I'll tweet it out and uh, let everybody know right now that we're broadcasting live, and then afterwards, people can listen to the whole show. This show. Uh, from the start, so let's let's get right into your your uh, your book. Um, you had a, a ischemic stroke caused by blood clot clots, which are affecting motor control. Now, this was on just a random day uh, a few years ago, and since then you've written this book. So, tell us about where you were in your life, and what happened uh, physically with the stroke, and kind of how you decided to write this book to help people? Well, I, like you said, I was, it was just a regular day. I, was, I got up, I was um, standing in my living room floor waiting to go to work at 6.30 in the morning, and I had my, my purse on my left shoulder, which was a uh, godsend that I had it because my, my cell phone was in, in my purse because my stroke was on the right side. And I just I collapsed, and I was conscious the whole time, but I, I couldn't get up. I kept fighting and trying to push myself up, and I couldn't do it. So I turned over on my back, and I realized something was wrong. And my son, who was 18 at the time, he lived with me then. 
and I, uh, but I couldn't call out. Um, and so I called my mom on the phone. And of course, being at 6.30 in the morning, she thought it was a prank phone call, especially because I wasn't, you know, I was slurring my words. And she couldn't understand me at first. But she looked to call her ID, and she noticed, oh, it's my, da- my, my daughter. She says, Erica, what's wrong? And I said, I really don't know. I'm, I'm you know, I'm slurring my words. I just, I, can you please try to call Brett and see if he'll come out and help me? So she did, and he ran out. He knew exactly what had happened to me. He could t- tell. He called the ambulance. You know, my mom's had a stroke. They came immediately, which I was very fortunate about. Because if having an ischemic stroke, if there is a medicine called TPA, and if you get it within uh, the window of, think I think it's three to four and a half hours after a stroke, it can minimize an ischemic stroke because it's, a, it's called a clot blaster. And since my, my an ischemic stroke is caused by a blood clot, um, I was able to get that medicine. And it did. The ER doctor told my mom that I could have been a vegetable. But fortunately, because I got the medicine, and it could have killed me too, but I took the risk. They made me sign a, you know, sign a release form and everything um, that they wouldn't be held liable if anything happened. But I, I, um, because of being able to take that medicine, I, I, just, I was paralyzed, completely paralyzed on my right side. And um, it, it's been a journey, I can tell you. It's been a really crazy journey. But because of it, um, I, before I was, before I had the stroke, like you said, I was corporate manager and I had a healing arts business. It was a fledgling um, healing arts business. I was working 80 hours a week, 40 hours at my job, which I absolutely loved. My corporate job, I loved it. I loved the people that I worked with, the people that worked under me. It was a fabulous job. Um, and then I had my little healing arts business that I was trying to get going, coaching, you know, massage, Reiki. Um, and then I had my books that I wrote too. Um, but then, um, after I had my stroke, then I decided, you know, because I was an author and I wanted to write about my, my situation and everything, uh, I, I wrote my book, Radiant Survivor. I wrote it and, and I launched it in November 2013. And um, I had a wonderful launch team that, that, you know, managed the whole project. And they got my book to be a bestseller in, on Amazon. And so, and, and right now I am actually developing a recover, trauma recovery program based on that book. The, the, um, because what, the way I wrote it was that each chapter, it's not just my story, because I, I, got, I solicited other people that had had life-altering experiences, like people with cancer, with um, abuse, uh, alcoholism, MS, you know, several, quite a few different challenges. And so each chapter has a story from from, you know, a different person. I also had a chapter on caregivers because you can never forget the caregivers because they're just as important in the, you know, because they're the ones that have to deal with that person that, you know, their loved one or whoever that has affliction. So I wrote the book and it, I, I have, has exercises at the end of each chapter. So I, did, I, de- I started, I decided that I was going to develop a program, a trauma recovery program um, based on that book, and that's what I'm working on now, and I'm really excited because it's a lot of fun to do. I love to uh, develop programs and stuff. So that's what I've been doing. So you know, now um, uh, as how I need to recover. How how is your you know how is your health? How how serious was the stroke in terms of? I know all strokes are serious, but how 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 much phys- did it affect you physically? Like and and then how are you doing now? Because it's been a couple well, of years I, now. I was I was completely paralyzed on my right side. I was I'm fortunate because I'm left-handed, so I was able to write my book. 
but hmm. um, I was completely paralyzed on my right side. In fact, when I first had my stroke um, and I was in my first weeks of rehab, in, in, in patient rehab, I couldn't even lift my finger. Now, I mean, could not even lift my finger off of the table. And um, now, um, if you looked at me, everybody says, Erica, you look so good. If you actually looked at me, you wouldn't think that I had ever had a, ever had a stroke. However, the feeling and what you look like are two different things. So I'm working very hard. I'm still in rehab and everything. I'm working very, very hard on getting myself completely recovered because I know, and even the doctors told me, Erica, you should be able to fully recover. There's nothing holding you back except my own emotions. My, you know, we're, we're, we are our worst enemies. And the only thing that would be holding me back is that my an attitude of not feeling like I could never do it. But I don't have that kind of an attitude. I never have. Um, so I'm just I'm just really diligent about working hard and trying to get myself um, recovered completely because I want to go back to my salsa lessons. I mean, I was a, I was doing salsa. You know, I'm a dancer. I mean, in, in my my early years, I was a ballet dancer, and then I did jazz, and then I did um, salsa and I, I, I used to country western dance. I, you know, I, I love to dance, and so I want to get back to that stage where I, you know, dancing again. That's my goal. We're having our 40th high school reunion this October, and I keep telling everybody at high school in my high school that you're going to see me on 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 the dance floor because I'm going to strut my stuff. I'm going to be better, and I'm going to get out there and I'm going to dance. So that's my goal. That's awesome. So let's talk a little bit about. Um be a very interesting story. Like the, the front part of the book is kind of your story. And then you get into some lessons and learnings, uh, along the way. And we can talk about some of those, like the power of affirmations and gratitude and right. overcoming limited, re, uh, limiting beliefs. But, um, you, you mentioned in the book that you went through, uh, past life regression and then another one. And, um, you found a hole in your heart symbolically in the past life regression and that's what actually physically manifested well, in this incarnation so right. tell us about yeah. that okay in 2009 well first let me say step back my my stroke was caused by a blood clot that passed through i had a hole in my heart and every the thing is everybody and everybody has um is born with a hole in their heart but most of us it, it closes 25 percent of americans it does not close and, and you don't even know that until you have something like this happen to you or you have a test because there's a test that, you know, check for that. And so I have, I have, I had a physical hole in my heart. But in 2009, two years right before my stroke, I, I'd had a past life regression and, excuse me, I was taken back to 1897 in Charleston, South Carolina. And, and it, I told you I was a dancer this lifetime. And I saw myself on stage as a showgirl dance, dancer. Now, I had in that in that lifetime, uh, there was a man who was of an upper class, and that was I was a showgirl, and he was of an upper class, and we we had a connection. Except he couldn't, we couldn't get together permanently because he was of a different class. So, and he came in to see me dancing that night, and with but he had his he had his female friend with him, and of course I was heartbroken. And so I there was a, when I saw that person on stage, me on stage. I had a, a symbolic hole in my heart, and um, and and if I would have if I would have in this lifetime before I had the stroke, I had flutters in my heart a lot, and and I but I didn't I didn't associate it with a you know stroke or anything because I didn't I just thought it was anxiety anxieties because I used to have anxiety attacks and everything, 
and so if had had I heeded the the warning that I got in that past life, maybe I could have, you know, prevented my stroke. Um, Another thing that's very important is that that man in that past life is also in my life, in this life. And I met him in 2007, but he was married at the time. And, of course, again, I was heartbroken because we couldn't have a, you know, a relationship. Um, he is now divorced, and my feeling, my very, very strong intuition, intuitive feeling is that once I recover to a certain point or fully, we will reconnect, and we'll just have to see what happens. I even wrote a novel, one of, one of my books that I wrote, called Anything That's Possible, and I do mention that in my, my book. Um, it's about our, our love affair. And um, it's very interesting because I, I started that book in 1998. I wrote three chapters. And it's when my marriage was failing, and um, and I wrote this book about um, meeting a, a woman was failing. Of course, her marriage was failing. Of course, it was me. And um, she she had this image of a man that had brown hair, sandy brown hair, blue eyes, and was European looking. Well, fast forward to 2007. I only wrote three chapters of that book and the synopsis. Fast forward to 2007. I met the man. It's like I manifested my own reality. And I actually gave him the chapters to read, and he completely identified with that man in the, in the book. So this whole stroke story that I have is very fascinating because of what it, the the basis of it, and the history of it, and everything that led up to it. And what is your now that you're here? What is your feeling and about what what you've learned from that, and how you would approach this? This gentleman now, uh, I mean, is there unfinished business? I mean, the hole in your heart, the, the reconnecting in a different lifetime, that's, you know, that's, that's, that's very interesting and synchronistic. Um, what do you think? Well, well I, I really believe that what's going to happen, like I said in my novel, I feel if, if you know what a twin flame is, it is two souls that are actually split. And when it's time for them to get back together, they will come back together. And I, I and what I feel is that what he that's he is my twin flame, and we have something to 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 do in this world together, whatever way. And I really feel that, like I said, when when I'm fully healed, because he had to also because he got divorced. Divorce is a very very difficult thing to go through too emotionally. I've been through it. I was divorced in 2001, and so he has to go through his own grief while I'm going through my grief. And I really feel that we're going to be very, very different people, you know, when we when we reconnect. And and who knows what's going to happen after that? I mean, I'm I'm hoping for the best, but you know, only spirit knows what's going to really happen. So I'm just mm-hmm. I'm just taking it day to day, day to day, and trying to get myself completely well, and developing my program and doing everything I can in my life that I feel like is is what my spiritual vision is in life. And you know, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. We really don't have much control over our lives. We really don't. We think we do. And that, that leaves something else about my another part of my journey, my the stroke journey. Um, it's about the masculine versus the, versus the feminine. The masculine energy is very, very controlling. Mine, mine is. It was very controlling. I was very, very driven. But my, the biggest problem with me is that I can try to control my entire life. And we don't. We cannot control ourselves. And everything was also ego-based. Everything was about... What's in it for me? And I think that that's also part of the reason why I had the stroke because I needed to, um, my, feminine, my femininity needed to emerge. I needed to get, get more 
a, a mindset of what, how can I serve other people? And so I think part of the stroke was we always learn lessons from these kinds of challenges. You know, that this is when we get, gain strength in our lives is when something like this happens to us, that's when we learn the biggest lessons. And so my lesson, I think, in this lifetime was to, to fi- try to find that um, inner balance of the masculine versus the feminine. And so that's what I've been doing with, um, with trying to recover my, from my stroke. And that's why my, my, um, I'm, I've written this book, you know, that's gonna, I, hope, I, I hope it's going to help other people that have gone through their own life experiences and everything. That's why I'm developing this program. I'm, I'm, re, I'm, I'm allowing my, my femininity to emerge so that I can then um, merge, not in, integrate the two energies, the masculine and the feminine. Because we, we're, we, everybody is made up of both masculine and feminine energies. And, you know, you, you just need to learn how to balance them where when, when you're supposed to use those masculine energies and when you're supposed to use those feminine energies. Some of us are more masculine, you know, and I was very, very masculine before. And so I, I'm allowing my femininity now to, to develop more and emerge, like I said, so that now I have both energies. So I'll feel like a whole person. Does that so make sense? How ca- yeah, of course. How, ca- how can, uh, for our listeners, uh, because everybody has masculine and feminine energy, and it doesn't matter, you know, if you're a man or a woman, which side dominates. Right. I mean, uh, it, is, it is everybody has it, and you have to balance it. How, how can people kind of test themselves in terms of knowing if their masculine feminine energy is out of balance. Oh, I'm, to be honest, I think everybody is out of balance, you know, some way. Um, it's just, a, it's just, it's just looking, it's a really, really looking at your life and, and what you do in your life. How do you, um, how do you react to things? Are you more analytical um, when you when you have a problem? Are you real analytical, do you, very practical, dogmatic, um, or do you look do you look at things intuitively, um, or and you, more creatively and trying and trying to resolve a problem? But you know, if you're more creative and, and intuitive in doing a, to resolving a problem, you know you're going to be more feminine. If you are um, more um, um, uh, an analytical, if you do more research and all that kind of that kind of work. You're going to be more masculine, and I and I think that what you really need to try to do is, when you're in a situation, to know what energy you need to use. Because if it is a decision that you need to make, something that's really that requires research and analysis and practical, you know, um, practical. Um, I can't even think of the word practicality or whatever. Then you're you're going to want to use your masculine energy. If you're thinking of if you're going to be nurturing your child or something, or you're trying to take care of another person, you would be wanting to use your feminine energy. Um, I, I, you know, it's it's. I think that you. I think that most everybody would kind of understand if they are out of balance. Um, if they're if they if they really don't exactly know which energy to use in a situation. Mm-hmm. Uh- in, in the book, you have each chapter has uh, some text to it, and uh, you know, and then then there's some exercises, and I think it's very good. And I, I just circled a couple as I went through the book and read it. Um, you have one of the things that are interesting to me, and I think people want to know more about. And uh, you know, it's not necessarily breaking new ground; it's 
kind of uh, reiterating things that people should be aware of. Now, let's talk right. a little bit about affirmations. So how do you use affirmations and w how do you see their role in, in your life now before you had your stroke and for our audience? Well, before I had my stroke, I really didn't ever use affirmations. I really didn't. In fact, okay. even um, as I have gone through my journey, I guess you can say, of my recovery, sure. I have been working very, very hard and purging myself of any of the baggage, the past past baggage of my life before, any, any kind of emotional baggage that I had, um, you know, that my, like my anxieties and th things like that. And the, the clearer that you get inside, um, the, the clearer that your affirmations will become. And because I, I started out doing, I had like a whole page of affirmations, you know, and I kept reciting them and reciting them, and, but nothing had ever happened. But you do have to understand that affirmations can take a lot of time. Um, they can take time for them to actually manifest. Um, and that's, that's because it, the affirmations need to get out into the, the universe. But if you've got a lot of uh, emotional baggage or anything else that's going to prevent those affirmations to really get out there in the universe, the universe is not going to be able to help you. So the clearer that you get inside, getting closer to who you are authentically, when, you know, uh, mm -hmm. um, then there's, no, there's nothing that's going to block those affirmations to go out to the universe so that the universe, you know, can respond to those affirmations. And now I have only two affirmations that I do, and I can already feel. It's not that I've already, that it's already manifested. It's like every day I, I've, my, I, I'm, I've got this much more positive attitude about life now. Things are really, really starting to flow for me, whereas before they weren't, excuse me, they weren't really flowing. I was trying real hard, you know, using affirmations. But now things are starting to flow where I'm actually having glim glimpses of things happening that, that I can see that these affirmations are going to work. They're going to work this time. How, how, do you, how do you do that? Tell us about that. How do you see uh, how them do I do intuitively? What? Oh, uh, how, well, just, how do you just see little, the just things little that things, are going to happen? Well, just little things that are happening. Every, just looking at everything that I do now. Like today, I, I had a wonderful day today. I went out and I, you know, just shopping and I, you know um i have all these i have these goals that i'm setting in fact i'm reading a fabulous book um medicine's woman medicine woman's guide to running your own spiritual business in a material world and she's got this whole plan that you know you're supposed to do and i started i've been i've been writing down doing the exercises that she's saying and i never used to do that i never ever used to put anything down on paper and i'm and that's something that's a big change for me is putting this, this uh, stuff down in paper to, because I know it's going to manifest now. I just I can I can just feel it. It's just a feeling inside that I know things are going to happen now. It's it's just waking up in the morning feeling better. I've I've been doing a, a forty day mon meditation challenge. I've never done that before. Sticking to sticking to something. So I'm seeing these changes in the way I live my life as big changes in and it's, I think it's you know part of the affirmation. It's just part of me, just completely me, me changing. Mm -hmm. So for people who are kind of just starting out with affirmations, it sounds like what you're saying is one of the keys is to kind of keep yourself clear inside. Uh, don't have too many affirmations and really, I guess, feel good about things while, while you're doing your affirmations and also write them down. Would that be accurate? 
Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I find that writing things down it does help, and that's maybe because I'm a writer. But it, uh, the biggest thing I think is for affirmations to really work is that you really have to be very clear inside. And I'm, you know, I mean, you have to purge yourself, and that may take a lot of time. It depends on how much um, stuff you have inside, how you know, how much, how many challenges you have, how much, how much baggage that you carry emotionally and mentally, you know, what kinds of fears you have. You've got to clear away as much as you can for the for affirmations to to take 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 effect. Now the thing is the what I also feel is that the more positive thoughts that you put into your mind, there's not going to be room for negative thoughts. You know? Mm-hmm. So the more that you can do the affirmations, the more you're actually tuning you're you're kind of retuning the the way you think and the way you are your emotions and everything because you're you're thinking positively and you're you're putting those positive um thoughts um you know inside and then you're also putting those out into the universe so i also feel if you the more the positive more positive that you are about things i think that 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 also will continue to keep you know keep continue your um, the motion forward in trying to get those affirmations to actually manifest into something real. Now, when when people, um, not to belabor the point, but if they for writing writing the affirmations down, how many, how often, and how many times do you write them down? Well, I, I, no, you, I think you can just write them. You know, it depends. I don't. I didn't write the one that I have the two. Like I said, the first time I did that, I wrote them down, and I, I and I because I couldn't remember all. I would just I would take the paper. I wrote it once, and I would take the paper and I would just recite them. You know, three and three and four times a, a day. Now out loud I have or them to in yourself? my um, out loud. Okay. I, yeah, I mean, I don't. I don't know if it really matters because the universe is going to hear it. But I, I, sometimes something about just. Speaking it, speaking it with your voice, your authentic voice. I think it, it gives it more power if you actually speak it. But um, now I just have the two, the two that I do, and I I do it in the morning, and then I do it at nighttime, and I I still speak mm-hmm. it out loud. But I didn't ever write them down I, because I only had two, and I can remember them. You know, it's not hard for me to remember them. So, and I feel like I'm closer to, like I said, closer to that stage of being able to get them to manifest more. Great. Okay. Let's also, let's move to uh, another topic of a chapter and that is overcoming limited beliefs. And I bring that one up because I think in our society, our culture, if you will, uh, we are, we are inundated with uh, limited belief media. Uh, Consumers uh, consume eight hours of media a day. I just, found that statistic today and it's amazing and most of the media that we get is is negative or fear-based i don't mm-hmm. know if you agree or disagree uh and you have oh, to yeah. really we have to be really careful as to what media you consume because uh you know and i'm from the advertising business and what we do is you know the business is based on creating a need uh identifying a need and creating demand and delivering a product and, you know, there's so many products out there that aren't mission critical, if you will. And there's a lot of brand differentiation there also. But it's, it's, about, it's about, you know, making people feel that they're missing something. And um, ultimately, people aren't missing something. So tell us about your vision uh, and thoughts on how to overcome limiting beliefs. 
Well, I, you know, that's a, it's a real problem because we're so conditioned by the things that our parents tell us and, by, like you said, media, like society, culture. There's so many things that bombard us with all these different beliefs and values and everything. But, you know, and, and you never really know who you are. And, uh, we're, you know, you see all these things on the outside. But the thing that I am doing so much, so I mean, really tr- concentrating it on is focusing on myself. I, I, that's why I meditate a lot and I do a lot of spiritual work and I, you know, I read the books that are going to help me. And I, and I, in fact, there are a lot of people that, you know, they're, that profess themselves as gurus about this, this kind of expertise and this. I don't even listen to anybody right now. I mean, I'll listen to myself. I'll listen to my heart. I'll listen to what it is inside of me, what it is that I want. And, you know, and, and I, in fact, I've, I've had some problems, um, with, within my family just recently. Um, because of their perceptions and, and their perceptions of what, what, what is, but I can't, I have to, I've had to disengage myself from it because their perceptions are not my perceptions. And I know, and I, and the thing is their perceptions of me are not what is true. And so I have to really believe, I have to believe in who I really am. I have to think about what I am. I, so I go inside myself and really focus on, um, who my, what my authentic voice is. And that way, you're you, you're you're learning about what your beliefs of you know what you want for yourself. And you know, people say that it's selfish to be to just focus on yourself. That's not true. If everybody would focus more on themselves in a selfless way, focusing on what it is they want, then they can radiate. Then they, they they establish that self love because they know who the, they know who they really are. They get to the core essence of who they really are, and then they can radiate that light outward to other people. And then that, that love that they have inside of them, you know, the other people around them feel it. You know how sometimes when you're in a, somewhere in a different place with a lot of people around and there may be one person that you just are completely attracted to. There's something about that person that you're attracted to. He or she's got a wonderful heart. You know, you can tell that, that they're a very nurturing person, that they have wonderful qualities and everything. Well, that's the, if everybody would really, really look inside themselves and find out what it is that they want inside themselves, get, find out, establish that self-love, then, then everybody would be radiating that kind of love everywhere to everybody else. And then the world, I think, that would, be, would be a little bit better than what it is now. Oh, that makes perfect sense and very well stated. Um, I, I, you know, I've interviewed a lot of folks uh, who do similar type of work that you do, and it's been a free education for me. And I've been on my own path. I'm also uh, a Reiki master, and I do hypnosis, and I've done past life regressions and received them and everything. And one of the things that's really kind of the next step for me is instead of and having re- read so much and listened to so many people, I think what you're talking about is you know, working on yourself. And um, I've recently been actively connecting with my divine self to help me, to help steer myself and guide me. And it's taken a while to get there, but actually just the revelation of that's who I have to rely on has made it so much easier. And I'm getting answers pretty quickly could you tell us a little bit about, I don't know if you agree or disagree, but if you if, if, let, let me know. And then also, how do you, how do you do that? Disagree or disagree, disagree or agree with what? 
the fact that um, it's possible to connect with your divine self. Of course. And of course. How, how do you yes. do that? Because for a lot of people, well, they, they can't they can't stop the monkey chatter. I mean, just I mean, right. what we're talking about now for so many people, and I try to break it down for our listeners uh, to make it. You know, it's guys, guys radio. So I try to keep it. Let's bring it down so everybody can learn how to meditate. So everybody can right. learn how to tap, uh, tap into their divine self. And it's, it's not it's not easy. Like so, I had a friend of mine. You know, sometimes you don't realize how far you've come. I had a buddy of mine call me up said, "Hey, I had uh, kombucha kombucha today. It's really good." And it's you know he's talking about kombucha or something, which I've been drinking every day for years. And you don't realize that everybody's got different stuff on their mind and they're on a different path. Not everybody is where you are. So for a lot of people. Just this, just the, just the act of meditating is is you know it's almost out of reach. So, how, how do but you? But it's not meditation. is not out of reach. It's very very easy actually. But, but it's I perceptually, mean, perceptually yeah, for a lot of know, people, it's not yeah. easy. It's easy well, when you I'm, get when you know how to do it. And so well, what I was but, saying is when I, you get on a path where now now I'm like being able to like contact my divine self, and that that's that's a that's a big move. And I was my question is how. Do you, how do you do that? Well, I, I do meditate, you know, and I have, I have major monkey mind. I mean, big time monkey mind. And, and I, but the, the thing about meditation, I was initiated into TM, Transcendental Meditation in 74, mm -hmm. you know, and so I do that, but I, but like, and I did, I'm, I'm doing that um, mantra challenge that I told you about, the 40 day challenge. And the thing about meditation that it's very easy, actually, because what you do, the simple one is, when you, you just close your eyes and you focus on your breathing. That's one thing. Mm -hmm. That's all. It's either your breathing or a mantra. You know, it's a word, a meaningless word that you, that shouldn't have any meaning at all so that, that you don't associate it with anything. But let's just do it with breathing. And you just focus on your breathing. So you just breathe, you know, very, very slowly and and focus on that. I mean, really, where you even hear your breathing. And then if, if you have monkey mind and it goes off and, you know, and that's going to, that always happens when you meditate, always. When you, when you know that your monkey mind is starting to work, you just bring yourself back to the breathing and you just keep doing that and keep doing it, you know. And eventually, over time, you'll find yourself having these wonderful, blissful little experiences. And it's very subtle and it's very subtle and it, the thing is, you can't, you can't expect these huge enlightened you know, feelings, y'all, you know, people when they talk about these enlightened, enlightened times that they've, they've had, meditation and getting to the divine, it, it, it's very subtle. It's not something very, as powerful as people are led to believe. I mean, it, it would be if you're enlightened, you know, like the Buddha, when he was enlightened, well, of course, but I mean, how many of us are really at that, that, you know, that stage? Very, very few people are there. So what, it, you know, you just have to take, you have to be very patient and just know that it's a that the, the getting speaking to your to your own divine source. It's a very subtle thing. Messages I get messages too in my dreams. I may have a dream, you know, of something, and I'll interpret it. Or when I'm meditating, I'll have a message or I'll have a vision or something. I did a shamanic journeying class once, and I I actually I um in my the, the journey up to the upper world, which is part of a shamanic journey, I actually met or saw Mary Magdalene. And, you know, I'm, but it just was very, very subtle. It wasn't something, it wasn't like I saw her, like I would see you and, you know, um, here mm -hmm. in reality. Yep. And, but, but in meditation, it really is not a difficult, difficult technique. You just close your eyes. You just 
really, really focus on your breathing. When your mind goes off on, you know, and chatter, just bring yourself, when you know that, know that you're talking, you know that it's talking inside, you just bring yourself back to the focusing on your breathing or if you want to use a mantra or whatever and just keep doing that over and over and over. Even though it may feel like it's difficult, you'll find some, you'll find that you're actually um, in a deeper state than you realize. Sometimes mm-hmm. you'll find yourself in an incredibly deep state, pensive state, and it's it's a fabulous feeling. It really is. Fantastic. So let's let's continue with that. Um, yeah, another chapter is about l- letting go, and the old saying is "let go and let God." And for a lot of people, I think they have a challenge with it because you want to let go uh, and let God and put it out to the universe and let the universe do its work, and you don't want to get in the universe's way by pushing or blocking or whatever. Um, but you still need to do the work. So h- how, do, how, how do you do it? How do you well, handle I will, I will tell you that the surrendering and letting go has been the biggest, biggest challenge for me. And, and in fact, I didn't even realize how controlling I was until I had my stroke. Because um, I, I, have, I, I have always been very, very, like I said before, in the very, very beginning, I've always wanted to control everything I did in life. And, I, and with having a stroke, I had no control. I had no control over my body, you know, because it wasn't working. I had no control over my energy. I could not do anything, you know, in the very, very beginning. I had no control at all. And it's funny because as I was working, and the first two years of my um, recovery and everything until 2013, I was, I was going along, you know, doing my rehab and everything, which is my part, you know, of the work. And um, in April of 2013, I was released from rehab. I thought, oh, good, I'm going to really get better. Well, something, spirit was, spirit was looking, watching, observing the way I was doing things, and I was still doing it, trying to control everything because I was making myself work hard. I was making myself exercise, you know, five times a week plus my rehab. So I was almost exercising seven times a week. because I was determined I was going to get better, but that was not the way I was supposed to to uh, be because as I told you I was supposed to, I, I was shifted from being masculine the, using my masculine energy to the feminine energy. The feminine is more receptive, it's more passive, it's more nurturing, and I wasn't doing that in my rehab, my my recovery. I was doing it in my masculine way again. You know, I was really pushing myself constantly. And I know people would say, but you need to push yourself, you know, to get your body working. But for me. In order for me to heal, I had to I had to shift over to a different mindset, and that was relaxation, rest as much as I could. I mean, uh, in fact, what Spirit did to me is in uh, April after I was released, my my thyroid went crazy. Uh, regular thyroid, the range is 0.4 to 4. Mine was 158, and my doctor said, Erica, you shouldn't even be alive. Well, what what happened was. I, I, this is what I really believe. Spirit must have knocked me on the head and said, "Look, you're still working out of your masculine side. So if you're not going to if you're not going to change, we're going to do it for you." So I, they put they put me on my knees because I couldn't for a year. Uh, once I found out that it was my thyroid that was wrong, it took me a year to find that out, um, and I couldn't do anything. I could barely even walk to the bathroom. I was so I had no energy whatsoever. So what, what did I have to do? I had to surrender completely. I had to completely let go because I couldn't do anything. And um, and so what my part was then was to surrender, you know, and so I, I did. And then I started getting better again, and again I still was 
working out of that masculine mindset, I kept working, pushing myself again. And last October, I had another setback, and it was my breathing. I couldn't breathe. And so, and I was, I was getting weaker and weaker, and I couldn't breathe, and this and that and the other thing. So I, um, I, I, I had to stop working out again. I had to stop my rehab again. And I'm just now getting back into it because I did find out that my body, I'm, I'm, I'm low in iron. And so now I'm taking iron pills and my energy is coming back. But I'm now seeing, okay, Erica, you have to learn how to do things at a different, in a different mindset. You have to do things out of that feminine energy. Quit trying to force everything and quit trying to control everything. And so I feel now that I really am on the track of full recovery because I've, I'm finally shifting to that, that feminine side of me, the more receptive one, the one accepting help and, and being more passive. And now I'll say, I'm, you know, I'm too tired to do anything. I can't, I'm, I'm now listening to my body instead of trying to push it, for, you know, push it harder. I'll listen to my body. Today, if I can't do it, I'm not going to do it. If tomorrow I can do better, I'm gonna, I'll work on it. And if the next day, if I can't do it, I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to listen to my body, tell, listen to what it's telling me to do. That's what I think a big problem of ours is. We don't listen to what our bodies need. We listen to, every, you know, we that chocolate cake is in front of us. We eat it even, even though our body says, don't eat that, please. It's so bad for you, you know. <laughs> You've been doing that uh, fast. You were talking about a fast and everything. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and uh, is that your first fast? <laughs> no, it's my it's, third. But uh, the longest one, 10 days is my longest. Yeah, yeah. My, my I, wife I, is shaming me. She's done like, you know, she just, just came off one uh, 21 days. So I'm like, oh, gosh. Gone. Yeah. Yeah, but they, you may, they make you feel wonderful afterwards, you know? They really yeah, do. You, you have to kind of know when, you know, my body said, that's it. That's good for now. 10 days is enough. And, that's right. Uh, you listen, that's right. Yeah. So, so you have it's to good. listen now, to your body. Mm-hmm. So the other thing you mentioned, uh, amongst others, is you have another chapter about uh, recovery as a process, and I think that's what you've been just talking about. But I've noticed, and we can share our stories here. You know, for me, I had robotic surgery six, seven months ago, and uh, everything's fine now. Uh, but you know, I still feel internally that I'm still doing meditation and visualization. To you know, when they start poking you around with those uh, rods, metal rods, it, it takes a while for the everything to really feel like it did. And they stretch your, you know, your your abdomen gets stretched out, and your fascia that holds the muscles together that gets st- stretched out, and uh, it it's just it takes time. And um, and you you uh, you develop patience and. Uh, Tell us about your, you know, how you came up with the chapter about, you know, process and what your process learning has been, or learning well, about process rather. Actually, the recover that that chapter was more because my book is more about an, uh, the emotional um, recovery from any kind of challenge, and that chapter was more about the emotions that you go through in a in a recover when you're recovering from something, you know, mm-hmm. there, and, and I use Kubler Ross Elizabeth Kubler Ross's. Um, five stages of, of loss when you've lost somebody, lost a loved one, you know, okay. um, because it really applies to any kind of challenge. And you, you kind of go through these different stages. You know, the first one is denial. You don't want to accept the fact that you really had a stroke or, you you know, you had a, you've got cancer or whatever. And then it's anger and then it's, I think it's be, um, bargaining. You try to bargain with God saying, oh, you know, if, if I can just go back to the way I was, I'll, you know, I'll be a better person. And then, you, then depression, because of course you always you're, go, you're gonna, always going to have that kind of 
you know, depression. I mean, I was suicidal, and some, I don't have suicidal thoughts right now. But I mean, up in, even last month, I, I had suicidal thoughts. I was like, I'm, I feel useless. I don't want to be here the way I am. You know, I mean, you do go through stages, you know, emotional stages. And then, of course, acceptance at the end. And the thing about this process is that it's not a, it's not a linear order. You don't go through that linearly. You could you could be you know it could be any and that you may not even experience all five of the steps. But that it, you know recovery is a process, and you just have to go through it and just accept it. Um, because and know know that what everything is the way it's supposed to be. That there are there are lessons to be learned. Your situation is an opportunity for you. And even if you don't recover, and one, and unfortunately, one of the, the chapters, one of the stories in the book, it was the one I think I'm getting the least in life, it was about a young woman. She actually, I didn't even know it, but she is also a high school graduate where I went to high school. I went to the high school for the performing and visual arts here in Houston. Uh-huh. And she was of a, of a later year. but um, And I, I got her story, but she's died, unfortunately. But, you know, the chapter, reading the chapter, if you would have read it, um, um, she was a wonderful, you know, how she was actually preparing. Cause she had two, she has two children and she was preparing her kids for if she does die, but she's not planning on dying, but she will take whatever, you know, whatever comes to her because that's just the way it is, you know, but, um, that's the thing about the, you know, recovering process. It's how you, how you accept the whole process itself, um, that, that will help you get through that, that process. Okay, fantastic. Well, Erica, you've been a wonderful guest. I apologize to you and my listeners on the the Blog Talk Radio technical glitch. They had to reset our show, but uh, we will edit out the previous uh, half half show that we had before, <laughs> and uh, so that won't be on Blog Talk Radio or iTunes. So anybody who and a lot of a lot of listeners just listen when they want. They subscribe or they just listen, right. you know, when it's convenient for them. They will be able to catch it that way. But tell us uh, about your websites, your uh, social media stuff, where people can find the book. The name of the book, again, is Radiant Survivor, How to Shine and Thrive Through Recovery from Stroke, Cancer, Abuse, Addiction, and Other Life-Altering Experiences. And also your other works. Where can people find you in the work? Yeah, ericatucci.com, E-R-I-C-A-T-U-C-C-I.com. That's my first website that I developed way back before my stroke, and that's got my Yin Radiance program for women. What's funny is that the Yin Radiance program, the journey into inner balance, I actually developed a program, and then I had a stroke, and that's what I'm doing now, you know, for my stroke. it's It's about balancing those masculine and feminine energies. So I actually wrote about it before I actually had to do it myself, which is nice, but... Um, I, then I have my Radiant Survivor uh, website, Radiant Survivor, and dot um, com. And like I said, I am developing a trauma recovery program based on my book. You can get my book on um, Amazon dot com, or I think on Amazon UK, Amazon Canada. I can't remember where else, but um, it's international. But um, uh, and I, you know, I would love if. And also, I do tarot readings. I'm uh, a new tarot reader, and I love it. And and I'm because I'm a life coach. In fact, I'm I'm about to rebrand myself, and I have a wonderful not, not a title for my coaching um, business and uh, a new caption, you know, new tagline and everything. And I can't wait to get it out there. It's going to be a while, right. but but um, 
because it, it incorporates my life coaching and my tarot because tarot has become very, very big, big, it's been my focus lately because I'm incorporating it into my life coaching. Tarot is, is really carrying a person through their own personal journey. It's not just about divination, you know, it's not about telling the future. I mean, people can do that, obviously, and a lot of people do with tarot, but tarot is much, much more than that. And that's how I'm using it, is that it's helping people. I'm illuminating their path of their awareness. That's what I'm doing mm-hmm. with all my work that I'm doing with life coaching. Well, fantastic. Well, thank you so much again, Erica Tucci, for being our guest on Guys Guys Radio. Uh, As I mentioned earlier, uh, Guys Guys Radio, all our podcasts is over, I think, or over like almost 140 of them can be heard on Blog Talk Radio at Guys Guys Radio and also on iTunes. And we're here usually every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. And um, again, I'm Robert Manny. My website's robertmanny.com. Everything else is Robert Manny on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. And uh, I look forward to hearing from you. So thank you so much, Erica, for being our guest. And uh, well, thank again, thank you for the, inviting me. Uh, my pleasure. And again, the book, Erica's book, is Radiant Survivor. So that's our show for this evening. I'm sorry about that aborted show we had earlier, but at least we got the whole thing pulled together. It is, as Erica mentioned, Mercury in retrograde. We'll get through it. We've only got another week to go of Mercury in retrograde, but today I've had so many things happen with it already. I had my smoke alarm going off with, with you know, no nothing being cooked. Uh, <laughs> just a lot of stuff. So hang in there, people. It's, uh, it'll, it'll be gone. It'll be over soon. And usually Mercury in retrograde is a good time to kind of uh, relook at projects you've been doing and kind of push them forward. With it without s- signing on the dotted line, but revisiting things and polishing them up. So it's not all bad. There's a purpose for everything. So just hang in there. So that's our show. We'll be back next week. Our uh, guest is Nicola Bird. And uh, again, it's Guys Guys Radio. And as I always like to say, Guys Guys finish first. <laughs>